they knew exactly what type of community it was or is. And I just, to me, I still believe it just was a profit over people. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I can openly say that it's just another developer coming into Brown Grove wanting profit over people. And it's just time for it to stop. This is Let's Talk Reparations. In this episode, we'll be hearing from two community members from Brown Grove, Virginia, Fawn Dendy and Diane Drake. This is their story. So Brown Grove is a community that was built by enslaved and uh, freed people. It was founded by Carolyn Morris, and she was the mother of the community. Hmm. So she built up the land. She grew her family here. Caroline and Jefferson Morris were our ancestors. They were the establishment that we know of, mm-hmm. of the community. We also know that the Brown family donated land to the church so that we could have a place of worship. We also know that the families in Brown Grove were sharecroppers, or the families lived on farms when the slash church was built. All history dictates that some of Brown Grove families worship in that church. That is true. Some of the ancestors that we have from the Brown Grove community worshiped in the slash church before they had the structure that, well, they started out worshiping in a brush harbor. Right. They worshiped in the brush harbor. Then they were invited by the members of the slash church to worship there, not with them, right, Diane? They had to worship in the pews, in the back pews. In the back. Mm-hmm. Because back then, we're talking 1729 and going forward, slavery wasn't over then, so they had to worship with their masters. Mm-hmm. But after um, slavery was over, Brown Grove families wanted their own land, their own homes, and so some of them worked so they could build their own homes. Education was a, a great part of it. In 1927, we had actually two or three churches that burnt down. They worshiped in a brush harbor for three years. And then there was a wooden church that burned down. And there was a, another wooden church and a brick church. Mm-hmm. And during that time, there was a two-room school across from the church on Ashcake Road, which served as a place of worship for Brown Grove residents at that time. And then, as Diane stated earlier, the Brown family uh, donated land for the existing church. The existing church still sits on that land. And actually, the name Brown Grove is... um, definitely named after the Brown family for donating the land. And I think during that time, the Brown family 
I was told, had most of the land in Brown Grove. I guess it was it was just an honor to be named after the the Brown family because we had Brown Grove Community, Brown Grove Church Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. It was Brown Grove School. So I think it was a consensus to to honor the Brown family. Mm-hmm. And that cemetery is located on the Brown Grove land that on our church property that exists today. There's a cemetery that's the Brown family. Mm-hmm. Now was the Brown family were those free enslaved people or well it dates back some of them were free and some of them were not Mm. because they donated this land in 1893 Mm. i'm wondering if you all can talk to me a little bit about some of the early members of the community and how engaged they were with its establishment there were a lot of i would say historians or people in Brown Grove that knew our history, they all, you know, worked together and to establish something. We were all everybody's children back in the day. I'm sure it was the same way back for them. I mean, it was something that they looked out for one another, their neighbors, their families, mm-hmm. um, you know, they depended on one another to help build the community mm. because they only had themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm. And from that, we had mechanics in the community, a barber. Mm-hmm. There were hairdressers. There were many midwives. Uh, Caroline Mars was not the only midwife in Brown Grove, but her name just seemed to have stuck out more hmm. than any of the rest of them. That's we still have farming. Yep, we in had the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of the land was was farmland. Mm-hmm. We had many historic farms. The Beasley Farm now, well, back then was called the Beasley Farm, but that land now is Hanover Air Park. Yeah, and also the Candle Wick, better known as the Ford Farm, which some of our ancestors worked on that farm. And we believe Caroline Morris worked on that farm as well. And we did know who her slave owner was, which was Isaac Pierin. And the Pierman family is associated with Slash Church, which is just right around the corner from Brown Grove. I want to ask about the church, because I'm hearing that it's the center of the community. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if you all can just speak to the significance of that. The, the church is definitely the center of the community. You know, everyone that has been, and I'm speaking present day now, everyone that was brought up in this community, you know, you still come home to worship at church, uh, even if you move away. We do community services. We donate to different organizations. And we we do a lot in the community. Even back in the day, growing up, the church was, and still is, very a very strong pillar in the community. And I can only imagine how it was back in those days. Because there's a strong family tie 
in the church and this community period. Everybody knows everybody. Um, and that's how it has always been. And so the church is def- definitely um, the place where we all can gather and worship and, you know, even have fun. We we do things with the community. We have community days um, in the summer. We gather and have fun events. Uh, we have uh, church in the field um well, we haven't had it in a couple of years due to COVID, but you know, those are those are events that the community looks forward to, the community and beyond, because we have so many visitors come out to um to our events. Mm-hmm. Um so it's a very it's a very blessed place. Yes, and also the tie that binds our community is uh, Caroline and Jefferson Morris. Mm-hmm. Most of her descendants are um, from that union. Mm-hmm. And the people in the Brown Grove Preservation Group, basically all of us are related to her. Mm-hmm. We do have a, a picture in our church mm-hmm. that honors her. There was a a memorial window that celebrates her legacy. And I remember the baptism uh, stained glass over the baptism pool um, celebrates her legacy in Brown Grove. So you both have really laid out a pretty clear picture of what was and in a lot of ways very much still is this self-sufficient African-American community that manages to thrive. And I think I I thought it was 50 miles away from Richmond, but apparently it's 15 miles away. 15, yes, 15. 15 miles away from the capital of the Confederacy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, can you all reflect on that for me? Well, Brown Grove has always been looked upon as um, not was taken for granted, local uh, government officials in Hanover uh, don't seem to um, acknowledge or have not basically ever acknowledged that Brown Grove exists. And I can't say much about the uh, the capital because it's the same way the mm-hmm. governor today or the existing the past governor um, is not we couldn't even get him to come to Brown Grove to visit our community mm. so there was always a, a racism among us and it has always been a hush hush thing mm-hmm back in the day and that's why our parents taught us to you know mind your business don't say this and don't say that because of what some of the um, repercussions of what they went through so fast forward and it's a new generation and we're trying to carry on a, 
a legacy that they couldn't carry on, not a legacy, but something that they prayed for. They prayed for a voice. Right. Mm. Mm. So we are the, that voice for them now. I think that's a really good transition. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind that's of putting it at... lightly, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. Um, it's, it's a really good transition to kind of look at the historic environmental racism. Uh, you mentioned Hanover Air Park. And I'm wondering, is there, do we have a timeline of kind of when these things start to pop up, the airport, the cement plant, the truck stop, uh, kind of how did, how did the encroachment be? It started in 1968, 69, mm-hmm. with the 95 coming into, um, you know, across in the community. And then there was a truck stop. I think the truck stop came after 95, if I'm right. And then it was the air park. When I was a child and and my grandparents lived here, there was no sign of the airport next to this property. There were trees. So we didn't we didn't have to experience the planes and, and of course it wasn't as busy as it is now. Um, but we never saw any of that growing up. Um, now we go outside the house and you can see clear over there too. And you can literally see each airplane take off and, and land. Um, and the noise is unbearable. And let's not talk about the pollutants that I'm sure are, um, you know, being emitted into the air. Um, so all of that has grown and then there's more growth to come within the next five years or so mm. in their in Hanover County's plan. Mm. So at what point did the Brown Grove Preservation Group decide enough is enough? We have to, as, as I think Diane, you put it right, fight for this voice that we are very much entitled to. Um. I think it all started years ago, but when Wegmans came into the uh, picture wanting to build a um, distribution center the size of the Pentagon, I think that's when we said enough is enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back, really. And also the thing is, we never really found out about what was going to come here until the plans were already made. Um, And even when we found out about Wegmans, it was still sort of after the fact. Um, The county never never came through to... um, you know, make the community aware of what may come before the planning started. So it's always after the fact. And I believe 
back in the day when things like when 95 came and split the community and the truck stop came and the concrete plant came. Um, I believe that's that's exactly how it went. Or either they had, um, you know, these meetings that no one knew about that, you know, were going to go on. Um, so no one attended the meetings at the, the courthouse and, and, you know, whatever they don't, whatever the community wasn't made aware of, they couldn't attend the meetings to have a voice back then. And I, I also believe that they thought that they did not have a voice um, because it was, it was sort of, you know, this is what we're going to do in your community. It was never... It was never, um, you know, check in with the community members to see if it was okay, if they how they felt about things, and so that's how a lot of the uh, encroachment started. And uh, with the airport, we even had families that were um, displaced; they were asked to move because of the expansion of the runway of the airport. And that was back in what day in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, and they still have not expanded the airport, and here we are in twenty twenty two, the runway, I should say. Right, so they just like evicted folks. Not- yes, yes, pretty much. Well, they gave them. A, they gave them options. They yeah. gave them options, but I believe they felt like they didn't have any options yeah and that's the way it has always been with the brown girl community as far as trying to get ahead um it was always like two steps forward and 10 steps back for brown girl as far Mm -hmm. as trying to thrive because it just seemed like it was the local government their way or the highway now, you know, now we see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's just profit over people. Yeah. And I don't think they really believed or knew back then that they could say no. Right. You know, when things came, when when they were given the option and given the, um, when they were, when, say, like, the airport expansion when they came through here in the um, late 80s early 90s and told them what was going on I really don't believe they knew that they actually had an option to stay but from what I can remember they were promised something more than what they what they currently had and if they moved and that was not the case in a lot of situations. And that has yeah. always been. Um, mm-hmm. They wanted our land and they would throw a couple of dollars in your mm-hmm. face and they knew that economically that we didn't have much. And so to my families and, you know, back then, I guess they say, okay, well, you're giving us something. But in reality, you're taking our land right? little by little or you find a way to say that we didn't pay our taxes and we you take our land mm-hmm. so I want to ask a 
kind of backwards question that I, I know the answer to. <laughs> <laughs> Wegmans is is a grocery chain, right? This is a, a company that proclaims to be family oriented. Why is this such a problem? Well, we can't speak too much about Wegmans, but it is a problem for them to be disrespectful to the community as far as not honoring our grave sites, Hmm. uh, our burial grounds. Um, We know there are unmarked graves and um, just being a good neighbor and to me, I have not seen those gestures from them of being a good neighbor. Coming into a rural historic district and trying to continuously wipe away our history with any industrial uh, development is, is, is just bad. Now that we know that we are already overburdening enough is enough, mm-hmm. um, all we can see now, or at least the younger folks see that you're really trying to erase our history. You know, we want to honor our ancestors. We don't, we want them to stay buried where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and no disrespect to Wagmans, but we believe that if that was, the shoe was on the other foot, they wouldn't want anybody to disturb their ancestors as well. Mm. So I'm wondering, there's, there seems to be kind of this push to get Wegmans to kind of abide by the standards of a good neighbor. Um, Where did that come from? Kind of this notion that, you know, you can be here, but you have to be a good neighbor. That's their motto. Yes, that's what they say. Mm. They say they, they are they good neighbors. Mm-hmm. And the governor has said they would be good neighbors. Backing them. Mm-hmm. But we haven't seen any. We want to see the, act, the actions. Mm. If you are truly a good neighbor, I don't believe that you would have considered this location for your distribution center knowing the history of Brown Grove. And I do believe that they did some of their homework. They knew exactly what type of community it was or is. And I just, to me, I still believe it just was a profit over people. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I can openly say that it's just another developer coming into Brown Grove wanting profit over people. And it's just time for it to stop. It's just disheartening because there are other areas within the county where this um, this building could have been placed. So it makes us wonder, are you really trying to be good neighbors or you know I guess their definition of being a good neighbor is not the same as what Brown Grove expect a good neighbor to be right we were raised differently mm-hmm. 
I actually want to follow up on that. What what is it that what does the Brown Grove Preservation Group see? Excuse me, see as being a good neighbor. Respecting respecting the community, wanting clean air, uh, health wise, doing whatever they can to not um, make the community, um, I say, um, lower their standards as far as um, um, what, economically. Hmm. Um, I don't know what a they gain from being in our uh, in our community. It's no benefit to the residential. It's not a store. It's mm-hmm. just a just a warehouse. Mm-hmm. So you're not giving up food or anything. I mean, it's not it's not a tit for tat. But you got a distribution center. Um, you haven't offered us anything that may benefit our community. That's just my take. And my take is being a good neighbor, I would think if we have, if the community has all of these concerns, I would want to if I'm going to prove myself as being a good neighbor, I would just move my location. (laughs) Mm. You know, that's how I see it. Yeah. Just Um, build it someplace else. Yeah. If you really care about the heart of the people that you, you know, that that's how I see it. But like, like Diane said, it's, it's money over people profit over people i'm wondering if not brown grove then where i mean it seems like a part of the objection to the the building of the distribution center is the compounding impacts that it has on uh the access to clean air the access to clean water um if not brown grove then where well, they had other opp- opportunity in Hanover County, and mm-hmm. I don't recall those places, but I know that they were from where they're wanting to build now, which I don't see where that would have been a major problem. It wasn't in an area, it wasn't a community a residential community, these other places, mm-hmm. I believe. If I'm, if I'm. Yeah. I know for certain one um, place for sure was not a residential community and it was close to uh, the highway. It was close to 95. Mm-hmm. So to me, that would have been the ideal place. There was actually um, another warehouse that was going in that place um, that, decided not to build there right so what of the efforts that the brown grove preservation group what efforts are you all taking to kind of preserve clean air clean water and protect the voice that you all have now well right now um 
Brown Grove Residential Rural Historic District is is loc is locally significant under the National Register. I don't know if I'm saying this correctly. Creaton A in the area of ethnic heritage, mm. which means African American and religion. Mm -hmm. It is also local locally significant under the National Registry Creton D for the potential to yield important historic and contextual information about the lives and residents over the last 250 years. And so we are deemed eligible now on a local level, which gives us a little clout, I would think, um, that they would have to answer to some, lim to some restrictions of what they are doing um, on the local level. We are, we are deemed eligible to also to um, apply for state and national um, recognition. So this helps us to a point where, hey, Brown Grove is here. Brown Grove is being recognized by the Department of Historic Resources. And that's a state agency. Hmm. And so we're being recognized because we are historic. We have historic buildings. There's historic landmarks in Brown Grove. Uh, it dates back to the 18th century. The Murray Oaks Tavern is located, was located right on Ash Cake Road, not even a mile from Brown Grove Baptist Church. Hmm. There's a Jenkins store. There's a Jackson store and uh, a lot of other landmarks that make us historic. We celebrate 151 years, going on 152 years mm -hmm. of our historic community, but we know it dates back further than that. Mm -hmm. So we have tried to put things, the preservation group has tried to put things in place to make it just a little bit more uh, limited as to what could possibly come into our community. And at least people are recognizing Brown Grove is here to stay. Hmm. Brown Grove wants to be recognized. You didn't know who they were back then, but you sure should know who they are now. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you all can talk to me a bit about what the Brown Grove Preservation Group is, what its goals are. Our goal is to, and I'm going to speak this loosely um, because we just had a conversation about this last week. Hmm. Our goals are to use our faith and our hearts to keep our community going and and do do the work for the betterment of our community to try and stop industrial encroachment in our community 
and build homes, not industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, I know I, I still live in the community. I'd like to see our community look like the communities down the street from us. Mm-hmm. You know, let's beautify Brown Grove. Mm-hmm. Let's not, let's not just put buildings in Brown Grove. Let's let's put homes here so we can build, let families, you know, people can raise their families here. Um, put a park in Brown Grove. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's what the Brown Grove Preservation Group, we're, we're trying to keep the community alive. Or and yes. Yes, definitely a recreation center. We could use that. You know, it when you go right down the street and you see all of these larger communities with all of these amenities and you say, well, what about Brown Grove? Why can't we have these things? Mm-hmm. The county officials need to be held responsible. Mm-hmm. Let me ask. Why can't Brown Grove add these things the way you see it? Because they're still trying to think that we don't have a voice to speak up. And it's a pattern from years back Mm -hmm. that nothing got done in Brown Grove. Uh, The roads, our roads are treacherous. They're unsafe. Mm. Ashcake Road is definitely unsafe. We can't even walk the roads anymore. The water um, that the overflow of rain that goes in the ditches and they'll just put up a sign that says beware of, of water or something that they put up. I Do they come and clean our ditches out properly like they supposed to? No. And it overspills into our property, which should not happen. They don't take a heed to the concerns of Brown Grove community. Mm-mm. They they look at how they see our community, and we want them to see how we see our community. Mm. But that's environmental injustice. Mm-hmm. That's a form of environmental injustice Hmm. we're supposed to be treated fairly so it sounds like in a lot of ways the brown grove preservation group was formed kind of in response to wegmans but in a lot of ways has transcended that and you're not just looking at you know how do we get wegmans to be good neighbors um you're also looking at just increasing quality of life right like investing in people and in, and in places rather than industry? Yes. Yes. We want all the amenities of our other brothers and sisters that doesn't look like us have. That's right. What does the future look like for Brown Grove? Well, I would think that we are trying to have a better relationship with local government, Hanover County, and we're hoping that 
we can encourage them to look at the zoning laws that's in place now to help us to restrict industrial and commercial developers from coming in and look at our community as a whole, as a better place to beautify our community. And we, we want clean air. We want healthy things and green pastures going forward. I mean, it's not all going to be on an easy street, but we hope for the, the rezoning back to a different um, level of residential more so than industrial and um, having all these encroachments. That's right. Thank you all so much for joining me. I hope to see you all soon in person again, sometime soon. Thank you, Cora. We hope that our voice will carry and be an encouragement for others as well. Thank you, Cora, for this opportunity. Brown Grove has identified five key goals they hope to accomplish. First, they want Wegmans to relocate their proposed distribution center out of Brown Grove, preferably to an area that is less residential. Second, they want Hanover County to recognize Brown Grove as a historic district and to be treated with the respect and dignity that such a designation demands. Third, they want the county to invest in their community, providing amenities like community centers or sidewalks that surrounding communities already have. Fourth, they want the county to commit to a moratorium on future industrial development. And last, they hope to finally secure the most fundamental human rights of clean air and clean water, along with measures to mitigate the existing environmental damage. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Reparations. If you want to know more about Brown Grove, we've put links down in the description below.